Good evening, Patriots. And it's Tuesday, March 15th in the year 2022. Still, unless you're on the East Coast, which now it's actually the 16th. But that's okay. We're all in one big happy time warp. What what happened to Canada? Like it's really bizarre to me. Did it vanish? Did the protests go away? Ukraine came and like everything changed. <laughs> we know exactly what happened. Go like look here, not not here, please. Don't look up at Canada, please. Before we begin tonight, expedition XPED expeditioncoffee.com that is the coffee for our time coffee designed for your energy and your mental focus and boosting your immune system you can find that coffee at expedition xped expeditioncoffee.com along with some other great products which include the gut health triad which helps heal and seal your gut gut health is a critical issue for our overall health Immune XP, which is an immune booster based based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a full body nutrient powder. Mix it with water. Drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. Gives your body the base nutrients that it needs. And, of course, Pure 47, which is one of the most refined nano silver extracts on the market. It's actually silver extract at a nano level. How can I isolate most of the pathogens in your body that you encounter in this bioweapons warfare? The whole objective of all of this is to get our health sovereignty back. That's the whole point. So these are a series of products that all work together in a collection of products that support each other and like a health ecosystem to help do that. So check it out, Expedition Coffee, expeditioncoffee.com, X-P-E-D. And of course, the Founder's Bible, thefoundersbible.com is the, is the Bible for our time. An NESB 1995 edition. Use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, to get 20% off. And those Bibles are produced in an heirloom quality edition, printed in the United States. They have our founders, many of our founding fathers' documents interlaced within. It really gives you a deep look into not only God's word, but how our founding fathers used scripture as a living language and a deep insight into what their intent was for this nation. So check it out, thefoundersbible.com. Promo code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. Use it in the coupon section at checkout. Get 20% off. So, you know, Patriots, I'm just kind of going through some of the crazy news this week. So many things are ramping up. Uh, Haley Biber's wife, I guess. Is that right? I guess they're not boyfriend. I think they're more than boyfriend, girlfriend. Anyway, she has blood clots, and now they're saying that this is just suddenly happening to younger and younger people. Uh-huh. Sure is, because they all got injected. And that's that's the dark side of this whole thing. It's crazy. And and people are just start connecting the dots. You know, it's it's kind of like this. This is here's a good laydown of pretty much the US's position on what happened in Ukraine, there are no Nazis and no bio labs. That was day one. Day five, maybe there's a few Nazis. Day 10, okay, yeah, there's a ton of Nazis, but they're good Nazis and still no bio labs. 
Day 15. Okay, maybe there are a few harmless biolabs. Day 20. What's your problem with Nazi biolabs? That's this constant inversion of truth that we are dealing with. It's a perpetual spin of the narrative. And it's, it just keeps going on and on and on. So this is a, a, the world we live in. The world of constantly spinning truth, constantly turning things upside down. And most people are really kind of living within that eternal flip and thinking it's okay. The jab is killing people. We know that. We have the economy, which is collapsing. We know that. We have the whole idea of the whole narrative around the economy is falling apart. We, Of course, we have the petrodollar cracks. So you've got, when I say that, you've got the Saudis now accepting yuan for Chinese sales of oil and gas. Gold prices are spiking. So much gold is being bought in Russia that the banks had to put a stop on buying gold. At the same time, the world is waking up to the fact that it's been in some sort of perpetual slave slave or serfdom, which itself affects the dollar because people are like, okay, I'm not working for other people's debt anymore, and that's really what the dollar is. And in the midst of all this, we're seeing them use food, energy, and finance, along with just normal consumer goods, as weapon systems. This is like this is seriously like the game of risk, except their style. So I want to kind of go through. These are 10 signs that the war in Ukraine is part of the Great Reset. Number one, the war between Russia and Ukraine is already causing unprecedented disruption to global supply chains, exacerbating fuel shortages and including chronic levels of inflation. Two, the war's economic fallout will lead to a dramatic downsizing on the global workforce. That's right in line with what they need. It's all these excuses they're creating. And so they add here in in this article, The breakneck speed in which AI technologies are being deployed suggests that the optimization of such technologies will initially bear a traditional industries and professions which offer a safety net for hundreds of millions of workers, such as farming, retail, catering, manufacturing, and courier industries. However, automation is in, in the form of robotics, smart software, and machine learning will not be limited to jobs which are routine, repetitive, and predictable. AI systems are on the verge of wholesale automation of various white-collar jobs, particularly in areas which involve information processing and pattern recognition, such as accounting, HR, and middle management positions. I consulted once with a company in, in fact, it's called Mercer, and it was a company in Denver that was doing human resource outsourcing and they were developing the model for the future human resource outsourcing. And they were, this was in 2014 and 15 and they had never considered something this simple. They were talking about creating this global pool of labor. Of course they were solving in their database and in their systems. They were 
resolving all the issues of people moving from one country to another, obviously gearing it towards a future of 2030 when there would be only one universal passport, at least that's the idea. And I brought up the point that if you brought somebody from Somalia or Nigeria is a better example, and brought somebody from Nigeria and you stuck them in the middle of Brazil working with Brazilians on an oil platform, that there was a likelihood for impossible relations and even potential violence because the two cultures don't get along. And they literally looked at me and they said, wow, we never considered that. And I'm like, well, here we go. We've got a great new world ahead of us. The war has significantly reduced, this is number three, reduced Europe's reliance on the Russian energy sector and reinforced its centrality of the UN Sustainable Development Goals and net zero emissions, which lie at the heart of the Great Reset. I don't know if you realize, when they say net zero, they're not kidding. They're talking about zero emissions by 2050. I don't know what the hell that means. And they're saying there's going to be new science. I Actually, I do know what it means. It means humans don't exist anymore because I don't even think you can burp. So I think that's considered outgassing. This is the number four. Number four, this will uh, be good for you. Here you go. I bet everybody's going to ex- excited about this. Food shortages created by the war will offer, created by the war. I love that. How is it that Ukraine's wheat and corn production that goes to Europe is affecting us? Isn't that interesting? And affecting, but apparently this is global. Food shortages created by the war will offer a major boon to the synthetic biology industry. <laughs> this is wonderful. As the convergence of digital technologies with material science and biology will radically transform the agriculture, agriculture sector and encourage the adaptation of plant-based lab-grown alternatives on a global scale. That sounds so good. Could you imagine? Darling, what are we having for dinner tonight? Well, honey, I hope you're excited because I'm going to bring in some digital technologies with material science and biology for the for the appetizer. And then we're going to try some radically transformed agriculture after in, in the in the first course. And then in the main course, we're going to do an adaption of plant-based and lab-grown alternatives. And that'll be capped off with some bug pate for, for dessert. I'll tell you, this is crazy. Russia and Ukraine are both breadbaskets of the world and critical shortages in grains. What happened to the U.S. being a breadbasket? I, I love this last part here. One can therefore expect more government regulation to usher a dramatic overhaul to industrial food production. Listen to this stuff carefully and cultivation, ultimately benefiting agriculture, just agribusiness, and biotech investors, since food systems will be redesigned through emerging technologies to grow sustainable proteins and CRISPR gene-edited patented crops. Mm -mm. I just can't wait for that. That's wonderful. Number five, Russia's exclusion from SWIFT, which for those of you that don't know, that's this money system that moves money around the world, also known as the Society for Worldwide Inter- Interbank Financial Telecommunication, the Society, that's awesome, foreshadows an economic reset which will generate precisely the kind of blowback necessary for uh, 
coral, coraling, large corralling, sorry, large swash, swaths of the global population into technocratic control grid. That's wonderful. The war will bring currencies to parity, therefore heralding a new Bretton Woods moment. That's a reset, by the way. This war marks a major inflection point in the globalist aspiration for a new international rules-based order anchored in Eurasia. Oh, that's wonderful. We're looking forward to that one. With Number seven, with speculation mounting over the war's long-term impact on bilateral trade flows between China and Europe, the Russian-Ukrainian conflict will capitulate or catapult Israel, a leading advocate of the Great Reset, to even greater international prominence it's because they're not true Israelites. They're all Karzian Mafia, whatever they are. Number eight, it is now common knowledge that, that digital IDs. Do you notice, have you noticed in this article that America, U.S. is hardly mentioned? They're already pushing the U.S. out of the lead role in all of these articles as if we're done. That's important to note because they, they do consider us done now that they've taken down the dollar. This is important. Number eight, it is now common knowledge that the digital IDs are central plank in the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Agenda and are to be streamlined across industries, supply chains, and markets as a way of advancing the UN 2030 SDGs to delivering individualized and integrated services in future smart cities. Cities are going to be the death trap, man. Do not, if you're in one, get out. Number nine, Europe is directly in line of fire once the hybrid war between NATO and the Sino-Russian axis is underway. They're predicting this hybrid war of cyber attacks and so forth. They just telegraph everything. This is what they want. This is how they, they dream of this stuff. The economic implications of this war will be so disastrous. This is number 10. That governments and the public sector will require a significant injection of private capital to address the financing shortfall. And it will be decided through a network of multi-stakeholder partnerships. These are great words. These are these this multi-stakeholder crap that all came from, all of that came from like USAID and, and all these liberal nonsense people. This reminds me, to Timothy 4, 3 to 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. This is literally about where we are right now. And it, it's, a, it's a time when there's just so much untruth going on. And people are literally seeking the 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 teachers of myth, so to speak, right? Um, it's a it's a very difficult time for us to find truth, and so it's a constant battle for all of us, which, it, quite frankly, is exhausting in itself to try to discern what is true and what isn't. I mean, every time you see a video. There's this video. I'm going to play part of it. This is uh, this is for real. This is the world we're in. Listen to this. 
So I keep getting um, crickets in my house. I don't know why. I've never had a cricket problem before, but I, I looked it up. She's and crying, by the way. It's, it's really bad luck to kick them out of your house. Like, you're not supposed to kick them out of your house, but, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, let you stay here? Now there's, like, 36 crickets running around because I did kick out one. And let me tell you, I had a really, really horrible week after that. And now they're just running around. And I'm like, please move. I just want to make a piece of toast and you're in my way. And I open a cabinet and it's just like, oh, hey, cricket that I can't kick out of my house. Can you please just leave? I don't want to kick you out. I just want to ask you nicely to leave. My house is just infested with crickets. And there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> I have no words. I literally have no words. I mean, 36 crickets constitutes an infestation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What can we say? This is the world we live in. <laughs> These are the people that are going to get awakened. I mean, it's like, take cover, take cover. I, I'm telling you, it's nuts. I'll tell you, I'll read something else to you. This is, this is, the Pfizer CEO today. This is the Pfizer CEO, my favorite dude. Um, And you know who that is. He, he, let me see if I can get to it. He's, it's not coming up right now. But he basically was, they were saying that, Um, here we go. It is necessary for the most people CEO Albert Borla said during the interview with CBS's Face the Nation to take a second shot. Right now, the protection, this is just epic quotes, right now the protection that you're getting from the third shot is good enough, actually quite good for hospitalizations and deaths. It's not good against infections, but doesn't last very long. <laughs> I have no idea what this is saying. This is fantastic. Omicron was the first variant that was able to evade in a skillful way the immune protection that were given, but also in all the duration of the protection didn't doesn't last very long. Yeah, and so apparently, apparently if you took the third shot, you're good if you die and if you're hospitalized. But if you if you want to be protected, it's not going to work. So nice try, we love you, but it's it's not going to work. It's really quite amazing how this has all come together. And truly, by the way, have you noticed how Tulsi Gabbard has suddenly hit like all the Patriot channels? And what's up with that? Seriously. I mean, there's no question what Tulsi is. She's part of the World Economic Forum's new leadership, and all of a sudden she's like a rock star, a total rock star on the Patriot channels. I, I just can't I can't fathom some of the stuff that people fall for. It just it doesn't work with me. And then, of course, you probably heard today the, the judge of Bob Saget. Bob Saget, who's that? By the way, he is a disgusting, was a disgusting pedophile. Or at least 
talked about it like he was. Let's put it that way. Bragged about it in many ways. Um, Bob Saget. The judge permanently blocks the release of Bob Saget's autopsy records. What is up with that? He was supposed to have committed suicide, man. Come on. What's the big deal? But we know what it is. It's always hiding the truth, always hiding the truth from us. And that's at the core of all things. At the core of everything. We are, our world is so upside down. And it's going to take, it truly really does take the hand of God to sort this out. We're struggling, all of us, on a daily basis, I mean, to go through and not get a headache, I would say it would be the easiest way of saying that. And there's a tremendous effort to put us all in a headache constantly. We have inversions happening left and right. So it's a, it's not going to get any easier. And I, I think this is the part that it, what it really brings to mind Luke 19, 14 to 40, 41 to 44. I, I want to read this from an interesting perspective. And when he drew near and saw the city, this is Christ, he wept over it saying, would that you even know, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. I read this like this. So I think this is a very profound passage. The fact that Christ is weeping. And I don't think it was ever difficult. What he's conveying here wasn't that difficult. Would, would that you, even you, had known the day of the things that make for peace. And yet we do know what those things are. For one, it's disconnecting from this matrix of lies, this constant acceptance of lies and not questioning. And the sad part about this statement, it's almost like a testimony, is there's a lot there in our current day that's very true. We would all like to think of this as a moment that's coming, and I, I will guarantee, I don't think there's a person out here that wouldn't like to hear like, Whoa, the military came in and swept it all up and, and made it all better. And if that happens and it all gets better, we'll have a nice little party. But that's living with this hopeful wish and rose-colored glasses on what's going on right now. The world is in the process of collapsing. Babylon is in the process of falling. And in the process of this falling, there is so much opportunity for us to do the right thing, which is to help one another and come together. And to be ready for that and to pray for others. But we need to get past personal dramas. We need to get past the neediness of being seen or 
being recognized for our sufferings or whatever things we have going on. It, it has to, we have to get down to us, each and every one of us, building that intimate relationship with Christ and just whatever we are, whatever we've done and wherever we are right now, this is where God has wanted us to be. And that's a really powerful statement. I mean, we're in a place right now where I t- constantly talk to people and they're ready to bug out of cities or they are bugging out. And it's like, okay, that's cool. And I, you even hear me say it. It's like, if you're in the city, be careful. You're probably not the best place to be. But here's another side of that story is that if we're in a city or you're in a city and if everybody's running from the city, then who's going to save the city? Now, some would say, well, it's going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to go away. Well, maybe. And if God's pulling you away, that's one thing. But there's also another side to this that we're dealing with having to save souls right now. And this bifurcation is getting very real. People are drilling into the way they're believing and the way they're seeing the world in very hardened lines. If you haven't noticed that, it's quite amazing to me. Just amazing to witness. I was at a business this morning and I was waiting to pay my bill and I was listening to this, the, she's like the secretary desk clerk talking. And she was talking to this other woman about how it was so cool that she was able to work her cell phone and she was learning how to do certain things on her phone. And what she said is, I'm, it's going to be really neat. I'm spending some time learning how to do it because when I go to Houston, I can be able to use my COVID pass and show my daughter how I use it. And I was like, huh? And I literally, it was literally a moment. I'm like, okay, Jesus, let's please don't just help me not talk right now because what I'm going to say is not going to be very nice. And fortunately, the, the other woman that was across the desk looks at her and she goes, oh, you're talking about that Apple Pay thing where you have to use your facial scan to get to use it and stuff? She goes, oh, yeah, something like that. She goes, I'm never using it. I'll never use it. And I was like, good, we have some common sense here. But we, we really are seeing people not thinking clearly. And the part of this mask coming down is back to 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 4, which is for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled. That is that's so profound because this is literally it right now. It's like, tell me it's going to be okay. Tickle my ears with it's going to be okay. And they're like, oh, the masks are down. It's all over. The pandemic has vacated. It gave in its resignation. It threw up the white flag. It's all over now. I feel so much better. I can go to Costco without a mask. I can go to Walmart without a mask. Everything is normal now. And 2 Timothy continues, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Oh, great, wondrous leader of our state and our county and our city. Thank you for teaching me the wise ways of wearing a mask. I shall no longer need to be frightened now that the the evil COVID has passed. We need to send Putin a thank you note, by the way. Because he has 
somehow got COVID to run away. And I find that amazing. That, that takes a tremendous amount of power in ways that very few of us have been ever able to do. To get a virus to escape and vacate. Quite profound, if you ask me. But they turn their ears away. They turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to miss. And that goes back to that piece that I've played a couple of times now of the guy. It was well said. It's people are in a state right now where they don't want to hear. And it's not just that they don't want to hear. They can't hear you because they're living in a different world. They're not living in the world you're sharing. They're looking at you the way you were at one time, or at least they thought you were sometime. And now what you are is you're different. All of us are. We've all taken a step away from this insanity, and we're all seeking a path at this point to find our way forward in a more clear way. And that that in itself, a, a way of truth. It's the only way to walk, but not everybody's seeing that. So it continues to be quite the challenge. And... I don't have crickets to worry about in my kitchen, which is fortunate because at one point I was very concerned when I saw that video. I was going to have to consider how I was going to get rid of crickets. By the way, have you noticed how somehow the, the Ukrainian army in the middle of the war has been able to accomplish something miraculous? They've been able to conduct TikTok videos while heavily under fire. Just like the nurses that did the TikTok dance video, videos while in the midst of the most deadly comas. I just shake my head at some of this. that the, the, the nonsense that people are believing and the willingness that people have to believe things. There's something wired into people to want to believe. And I'm really, and they want to worship. And that worship, how can we say this? The worship is in place of anything true. They, they, they're, I think that most of this worship is wanting to worship a truth. And that truth is coming from the lips of men, and we're, and it's all about deception. So we kind of head back to Luke nineteen forty one to forty four, and when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, "Would you, would that you even, even you had known on this day the things that make for peace." Our hearts have to be true and have to be aligned with Christ, and. That means not seeking the the end of all things. That means not seeking the desire to fill ourselves with material junk. It's literally living in the presence and in the love of Christ and letting God guide us. That is a that's a very challenging place. It's in the absolute darkness. It's as if we're if you're willing to walk in absolute darkness. I mean, absolutely, you can't see anything before you. And that's the place 
where we're going to find our greatest faith. Where you do you can't see anything if you truly are walking in this place of faith, not by sight, but by faith. It's as if you've taken your eyes away. You can't see anything before you. It's that dark, and it's so dark it almost feels like you can't move. And yet you are moving quickly because you've put complete trust in God. And when we do that, we begin to truly, truly step forward into a relationship with Father that's unlike anything we've ever had. This is what it's going to take in this, in my opinion, in this period of time for us to get through a lot of this because so much that we are faced with requires that we have great faith. I want to read this passage. It's kind of a perspective on the craziness of our world. This is actually written by George Orwell. So obviously not current and Early in life, I had noticed that no event in ever, is ever correctly reported in a newspaper, but in Spain, for the first time, I saw newspaper reports which did not bear any relation to the facts, not even the relationship which is implied in an ordinary lie. I saw great battles reported where there had been no fighting and complete silence where hundreds of men had been killed. I saw troops who had fought bravely denounced as cowards and traitors and others who had never seen a shot fired hailed as heroes of imaginary victories. And I saw newspapers in London retelling these lies and eager intellectuals building emotional superstructures over events that had never happened. I saw, in fact, history being written not in terms of what happened but of what ought to have happened according to various party lines, also known as scripts. That's our current world. And as we start to really accept that what we're seeing is a lie and it's a show, it's a script, and we're willing to step away from that emotional turmoil We're going to start seeing things not only clearly, but we're going to find it easier to find the eyes of Christ, to see things through the eyes of Christ. One of the I've pointed out one of my very favorite moments in in Scripture with Christ is that moment when he's between the woman who's accused of being an adulteress and the accusers. And it's just so profound because of what he's able to to do in that moment with words in a very unbelievably dangerous moment because he could have easily had the group turn on him and stone him, which of course they didn't do. But he's he's not taking sides. And if there's anything that's more profound, it's looking for that path that God wants us to be on. And I think that's at the core of Luke 19, 41. My opinion is I think that what's really there is what would that you, even you, had known in this day the things that make for peace. It's not about swinging politically on taking a side either or. There is always a path before us that's a path of truth 
That is that path that also translates to agape love. It's a path that doesn't necessarily side. It may appear to side with somebody, but it's not taking a side. It's walking God's truth down the middle. And as we seek that, the world really does change. We're really in a pendulum swing, constantly thrown between you have to like this or like that. You need to be here or be there. You need to do this or do that. It's a binary world. And that's really Lucifer's world. Reducing God's infinite ways down to binary, that's how you control humanity. And so when you read stories and narratives of war, war is always one of two things. War is actually very simple the way it's portrayed. Because war is either you're fighting violently or you're a victim. And war is always going to have some sort of escalation. There can't be anything other than escalation in war. You're witnessing that right now. Ukraine has gone from being, you know, it was a Russian incursion to now it's, you know, it's an Russian invasion, an invasion, which isn't really. And then they're all of a sudden out of nowhere, we became the heroic, you know, fight for heroic Ukraine. But it's being, everybody's being forced to accept you're either pro-Western, pro-country and pro-Ukraine, or you're a traitor and you're pro-Putin and you should move to Russia. That's, we've done this again. We do this really well. And that's the mainstream media narrative. Fortunately, there's a pretty strong voice going the other direction. But for a, a group of people, and probably significant group of people in this country anyway, they still are pinging off of this either-or narrative. And there's no way you're ever going to find what it would take to make for peace in those pingings. You're never going to find it. Here's what I've learned when I was in Afghanistan and having spoken with in very complex environments and never really knowing how the answer would come about. But when you deal with true conflict, this stuff is garbage. What people are doing here is, is just, it's just virtual sig- virtue signaling. And it disgusts me so much because when you're, if you're going to virtue signal for Ukraine or virtual signal for Russia, just go home. Maybe take the vax because you're, you're being stupid. You don't know enough about either to make a side. And it's just virtue signaling. When you sit in the middle of real conflict, and I have, and when I say sitting in the middle, it's like one side is the Taliban leader whose Taliban faction was responsible for the direct murder of the Mujahideen commander who's sitting on my right and the Taliban commander sitting on my left and I'm facing them. And they are looking at me and the Mujahideen's son was murdered by the Taliban commander's people and the Mujahideen's team, his little legion of army, wants to slaughter the Taliban. They would like to. And now we have a bigger issue to deal with, which is how to get along in the local environment and not slaughter each other while there's yet a bigger threat, which is the governor, which has been bought off by somebody and who's been smuggling people, kids, and so forth out of there and kidnapping them, making money. 
which doesn't set well with anybody. So what's the core of all that? And the critical piece is that I'm not taking a side either way. I mean, there as an American, you would expect me to be, and as they did, they expected me to be against the Taliban. And here's the deal. And I lived with the Mujahideen in this, for this whole week I was there, I was living with the Mujahideen. And they were the old Mujahideen that had fought the Russians, funded by the CIA. But I'm not, even at that point, when I'm sitting between them, I'm not taking a side. I'm listening. And listening is the key piece to all of this of how we get through this. And we don't have to be the mediator because that seems like everybody, well, you must be a mediator if you're going to listen to both sides. No, because Christ wasn't a mediator. That's why I go back to that one moment when he's between the accuser and the accused. He's not mediating. Notice what he's doing. He's challenging people to reflect in themselves, to look in the mirror, and to ultimately have their ears tickled not by the wanting of unsound doctrine or the myths, but to hear the truth that only he could bring. And each of us can find that way. Each of us can find that way if we're listening and we're listening to God and we're listening to them. I'm not there to judge a Taliban because they haven't done anything to me. And sure, you'll hear the things like, well, they did all these bad things. Well, it so happened that in this particular meeting, the biggest criminal in the entire event that was most recent wasn't me, and it wasn't the Taliban, and it wasn't the governor, and it wasn't the Mujahideen. It was the Germans. You see, two years prior, no one America, no American had been into this place in Kunduz, which is north of, straight north part of Afghanistan. No American had been in this one particular district in Kunduz for over two years. And I decided to go up there and see what I could find out. So I did. And we had a big shura, which brought everybody together. We made the Mujahideen cooked massive pots of rice and brought in lots of bread. And we, we had a meeting where everybody could eat, break bread, and literally talk. But what had happened two years ago? Well, you see, a gas truck run by the Germans or somebody up there had a breakdown in the valley down below. And the people seeing the opportunity, because gas is like $10 a gallon at that point in Afghanistan, came out and started using the spouts on the gas truck and filling their their, their gas jerry cans to fill their vehicles and to steal some gas. It's gas. It's not a big deal. But that wasn't enough because the Germans claimed it was the Taliban attacking them. So they carpet bombed the damn place. And they wiped out like 15, 20 dead civilians. That was a response. So instead of just letting the truck go, because the money there from your taxpayer dollars is flowing in there like water. We killed a bunch of people because they took gas. And the Taliban were a little bit pissed off. And you know what? They had every right to be. 
And the Mujahideen weren't there to make a grudge. In fact, the Mujahideen commander had told me before he went in, I've already forgiven him for the death of my son. There's no grudge to be had. There's, it gets us nowhere. So you see, we just, we had a bunch of other, and we, hey, look, there's all sorts of Taliban on my left and all sorts of Mujahideen on my right. And I let them talk, and I listened, and then I asked a question, which kind of, because they're all angry, all talking about how Americans are the invaders and the problems, and I'm okay. I mean, I'm, I'm taking it, even though the Germans blew them up. And so I asked a question. I, I said, I, just curious, I mean, I know you're all upset about the government we put in here. I did this through translator, by the way, and a very, very good friend of mine, trans, or my, trans, my interpreter, who is here as an American now, and he's a damn good American. Just so I say it. Very proud to have sponsored him over. He saved it. My, he saved my life at least twice directly, and he saved a number of other American soldiers' lives multiple times just because it was the right thing to do. So I asked him in the meeting, I said, just curious, do you understand how this new process of governance works, a representative government? And they looked at me like I was coming, talking from outer space. And then we had this whole other discussion that evolved to the point that the Taliban, I was telling the Taliban as I was telling the Mujahideen, I get all y'all fighting, but it's this stuff of killing each other and blowing each other up. This nonsense needs to stop because we're not getting anywhere and it's not helping anything. And by the way, Mr. Taliban, he, he had a name, but that's irrelevant for the story. We want you involved in the government. You just need to run and get elected in. And he didn't know what to say. When we ended that meeting, I was standing by my camera and they literally came up by me and were shaking my hand and, and kissing my hand and thanking me. That's a Muslim thing to do, so don't worry about that. My point is all we have to do is listen, and when we do this, we can find the way to make peace. If we'll listen and then not try to use our egos or our judgment on others. And by the way, if you can have a meal and break some bread seriously or bring some cookies, whatever the local deal is, I'm not kidding when I tell you that is a way through. I've had the greatest discussions, the most interesting discussions ever over rice and goat. Now, Americans aren't big on goat, and that's okay. And I'm not real big on goat these days either, but nonetheless, I've eaten plenty. But when we can literally break bread and come together and listen and talk, we're going to make headway, and we're going to need to do that here because there's a lot of pain a lot of anger and a lot of frustration that is brimming under the surface that doesn't need to boil over. It doesn't need to. We're going to need to lead this way and we need to remember that this is America, that we are a melting pot. We're not all the same. We're one of the most perfect and unique experiments ever created. Truly with God on the throne above us and with a walk together that's unlike anything we've ever known. And with that unity that we can build, we're not going to agree on everything. But as I told you, in the same time, I've had deep talks with 
Taliban and with Mujahideen and with other elders, I've had deep talks about faith. And you know what? We had good talks about faith. We had good talks about God and Jesus. And you know what else? No one wanted to kill me and I didn't want to kill them. That's pretty wild. We need to get that way here. And it doesn't mean we agreed on everything, but we respected each other's voice. And if there's anything that we can do in this nation to work for, it's building a respectful conversation where we can hear each other, hear our differences, hear our commonalities, and heal the, heal the wounds that are between us. We have to find that way forward because they, these lizard heads that are running this show, want everything to be divided and want us to be injured beyond any possible way of healing again. Not going to happen. God's put us here for a very particular reason. And it's now. And all the experiences we have in our life are coming to this point now so that we don't have to endure again a weeping Christ that reminds us that would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that might bring peace. I would like to hear him say, would that even you had finally figured it out and you have figured it out on this day the things that do make peace god bless you my sons and daughters that's what i'd like to hear and i know we can do it let us pray heavenly father thank you we are blessed in this time to literally have the, to be able to witness before us the events that parallel so deeply with the wisdom and the scriptures that you've given us. These are amazing times, Lord. And, and Jesus, as, as you sit here with us tonight, it's just, it's profound. When we think of the things that you went through and the things that were shared and documented for us to read your words and to be able to see those events before us now, to be able to reflect on events that can correlate to your walk. What a gift. And as we take that and take these, take scripture into our heart, and we now face this world with so many challenges that look so broken and it looks so divided, and we know that there's an enormous amount of fear, we know that if, as we walk with you, Lord, we're going to be able to heal it. We're going to be able to be that light that brings people together. We're going to be able to bring that peace where people will be want, want to look within themselves and take the pause to calm down and slow down, to take the moment to look deep within them and see what they need to see. We need to bring this nation together. And, and Jesus, you have walked this path to know how difficult we as humans can be. So now we just pray for that blessing, that blessing of truly that comes from John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you that the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. So, Jesus, we do believe so much in you and we thank you and we are humbled 
by all that has been given and sacrificed for us. And just pray tonight that as we continue to go forward, that these greater works can be given to us to heal this nation, to heal this land, to bridge the differences, to raise ourselves up, to be humbled, to seek the salvation through you, to heal ourselves, and to bring people to you, to bring as many to you as possible so that we as a nation can once again be restored, a nation that will look mighty because we'll put our Lord on the throne once again. Guide us in these times, protect us, bless us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It's all in our hands in so many ways. Obviously, God is leading us, but we have so much that we can do with Christ in our heart, God at our back. You know, I I truly love engagements. I've done a number of them, a lot of them. The most difficult one, which I won't tell the story tonight, but the most difficult engagements I've ever done are here in the United States. They weren't as difficult over there. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that in other cultures, once they've been beaten down by war, real war, physical war, there's a willingness to listen, sadly. That's what it takes. I don't want that for this nation. I don't want people to have to suffer that sort of pain and struggle. This war that we're having here is brutal. It's brutal on the mind. It's brutal on the soul. It's brutal on the body, especially with the things that are being done to poison the body. The biggest challenge that we have is for people just to realize it's been a war. And if they can realize that, that it's not just their fight against us and us against them, but that we're all being having a war waged on us together, we're going to get to a really interesting point. It's going to take a lot of listening and a lot of talking, but we can get through that. And as long as we keep Christ in our heart when we engage and let Christ lead, not for us to proselytize or try to convert or whatever, but just to be there sometimes is all that's needed to listen. And when you listen, truly listen, let me tell you, I've seen mountains move. And when that happens, it's stunning what happens. And that's, that's God's hand. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Prayers are truly our anchor to the rock of faith, our gateway to miracles, our gateway and connection deep with Father. God is with us. He will never forsake us. In the end, God will always win. I know in my heart, though, that we are here in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Have a very blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been put.
Something to find. 